Let's, let's take a moment and pray before we dive in here this morning. God, I thank you for this time that we have together this morning. We are here. I pray that we would be fully here. We are yours, and I pray that we would be fully yours. And now I ask, Lord, that we might have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that are shaped by your presence with us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to again uh, head back to the Torah. Head back to Genesis. If you're grabbing a pew Bible, that's page one. Back to what is the, the backstory of Jesus. Noting as we did last week, in the same way that maybe we meet somebody, right, and we get to know their name, we get to maybe know what they do, we get to know maybe what things they like. For me, yet that was yesterday. I got to meet Alex and Kristen. Alex and Kristen, I learned what they do. They both work at Intel. I found out what they liked. They both enjoy volunteering, which is how I met them. They were here at the food share pantry volunteering. And that's all really good. Right? But imagine as we continue meeting and, and connecting and sharing together, right? This, this other person, be it Alex or Kristen or somebody else, right, begins to open up and maybe they share that, that significant event in their life. Maybe, maybe it's a, a, a painful experience. Maybe, maybe it's that overwhelming joy. Whatever it is, again, right? The, the joys, the sorrows, the hardships, right, that, that have been overcome. In all, in all of that, in a word, it is, it is the backstory. It is their backstory. It's that which gives direction and, and shape to their, to their life. Now, I, I, again, I say all that to say this, that most of the time we spend our, our Sunday mornings, right, in the Gospels, in the New Testament. We spend our focus, our energy, our attention on Jesus, on his life and teachings, and, and rightly so, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And yet we have this whole thing that we call the Old Testament, this whole sort of panorama of, of experience filled with all of its joys and its sorrows, filled with, with all of its too many hardships. What is, what is in effect, right, the backstory to, to the life of, of Jesus? Why again today, I want us again to head back to the Old Testament, back to the Torah, more specifically to the backstory that is the Torah, right? Jesus, he is the culmination of, or we could say the fulfillment of the whole of the, the Torah. Noting that last week we picked it up with that first Parsha, right? Parsha being portion or segment, right? It's that section or passage of scripture. There's 54 Parshiot in the Torah, Torah being Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, there's 54 sections or passages that are read weekly throughout the, throughout the Jewish year. And as we saw last week, that 
That first Parsha is Bereshit. Bereshit, right? The Hebrew word in Genesis 1-1 translated in the beginning. This particular Parsha, again, travels from 1-1 all the way to, to 6-8. To Noting as we did, it, it contains or carries with it these two creation stories, right? The creation story in Genesis 1 and then a reframing of that story in Genesis 2, again from Piro, that author and scholar, these two creation stories reflect two different qualities of mind that Mohin de Kutnut, right, dualistic worldview pitting us against them, and Mohin de Kutnut, a caretaking worldview of all of us together, where each life is seen as unique and precious and a precious manifestation of, of God. And so again, with that in mind, right here, we're in the beginning, 2 and 18, right? It's not good for man to be alone. I will make, and in most translations, we looked at this, right? It, it, it says a, a helper suitable for him. What is Azer Konegdo in the Hebrew? And it says for him, or better yet, I think it translates as from him. I will make, God says, I will make Azer, right? And again, we can think power and strength. And of course, you can always go back and listen if you weren't here. Azer Kedegdo, this idea of connection, right? And Adam himself, he says, this is bone of my bones, right? That, that Jewish idiom for, for equality, for, for, for equal value and worth. And, and so we could translate this. God says, I will make from you, right? This idea of connected with you, a powerful partner, one who is, is strong of equal value and worth. Right? And that is the Jesus backstory, right? And it's, and it's relationship at the very core of our humanity, at the very center of who we are as a people. It is relationship and its connection and its value and its, and its worth. As you probably know, the backstory doesn't end there. It's interesting here that the rest of Parsha Bereshit moves from those two creation stories, right? Where God creates and he says, it is good. And it travels to Adam and Eve who decide for themselves what is good. And from there, there's this kind of consequent brokenness, right? This, this we could say, this disconnect, the, this devaluing and, and, and disregarding, which then brings us today to Parsha Noah. Parsha Noah, Parsha Noah, which begins with the account of the story of Noah and his family. And by way of synopsis, God says he's going to destroy the world. He tells Noah to build an ark, gather up his family and the animals. So Noah builds an ark, gathers up his family and the animals. They survive the, the flood. God makes a rainbow. Noah plants a vineyard. Noah then does this thing where he gets drunk and, and naked. And from there, some decide to build a tower. God doesn't care much for this tower. And so God scatters the people over the face of the earth far and wide. Now, again, the intent here is not to cover all of Parsha Noah. But I do want to, again, just dive into a couple of verses here that really connect us back to some of what we saw last week. And picking it up today, just a chapter 8, just a few verses here, the opening verse... And again, this is just after the, the flood. And we read here, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And then notice, and God sent a wind, which is ruah or ruach in the Hebrew, 
over the waters, and the waters receded. It goes on, verse 2, 8 and 2, Now the springs of the deep, meaning the waters below, and the floodgates of the heavens, the waters from above, had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. So notice, we have the, the flood waters, right? And they've receded. We've got the, the waters from the, the heavens, from above, and they have stopped. And so there's this, again, there's this, this kind of separation happening. Verse 3, we read, the water receded steadily from or off of the earth. All of which is very interesting language. Because we see, we see here, right, it says the wind, ruach, right, was sent out over the flooded earth. We have the, the waters above and the waters below, again, separating. We have the waters that are receding from off of the land. It's not only interesting language, it's very, we could say, intentional language. Because it takes us all the way back to the story of creation, back to in the beginning, where we find the exact same, not just idea, some of the exact same language. Genesis 1 and 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit, ruach, here translated spirit, in Genesis 8 it's translated wind, ruach of God was hovering over the waters. Right, so first, again, here we have at creation, the Ruach of God, and it's hovering over the waters, the spirit, the wind, and then after the flood, what is it? Here's the Ruach, right? The spirit, the wind, over the waters. It goes on, Genesis 1 and 7. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above. And so again, at creation, we have this separation, right? The water from below and the water from, from above. And then after the flood, we have again, the waters below and the waters above, again, are separated. Let's go back to Genesis 1 and 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. So again, God gathers up this water, dry ground appears. After the flood, the water recedes steadily and dry ground appears. It goes on and on. Verse Chapter 1, verse 12, we have the start of plant life. After the flood, 8 and 11, the dove returns this olive branch. We again have this plant life. In 1 and 14, we have day and night and seasons. After the flood, 8 and 22, we have day and night and seasons. At creation, 1 and 28, we have be fruitful, increase, and fill. After the flood, 9 and 1, we have be fruitful, increase, and fill. These sorts of parallels, they keep going on and on. Point being, in effect, we have, we could say, not two stories of creation, but we have three stories of creation, but not even really three stories of creation. As Rabbi Joshua Berman puts it, the recovery of the flood and the subsiding of the waters is more than a rebuilding. It is a veritable recreation. From the rabbi Alex Israel. On the one hand, he says, we may view the flood as the conclusion, the sad epilogue to the creation story. It is the end of an era. That is true. However, the flood has a different dynamic as well. The flood is not simply the end of something, it is also the beginning of something. Far from the flood being seen simply 
as the final note to the creation of the world, we must also view it as the prologue, the foundation work of a new world. As the floodwaters subside, it is not simply that the old world is revealed, no. A new world is created. Point being that Parsha Noah, right, the, the, the backstory of Jesus, in the same way that it is about relationship and, and connection and, and the valuing of, of the other, in the same way here we see it as a story of rebirth, it's a story of renewal, a story of, of, of recreation. And it's the very reality that we see that comes to pass in Jesus, as the Apostle Paul puts it, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Now, it's interesting, and we need to keep in mind, as Rabbi Israel puts this, there is first a sadness, right? There's a sadness, there is a letting go. There is, we could say, a dying to what has, to what has been, right? As, as he puts it, the sad epilogue to the creation story, the end of an era. In fact, at the close of Parsha Bedrashit, 6 and 5, we are reminded there, it says, the, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the human heart was only evil all the time. Verse 6, the Lord regretted Neham in Hebrew, which is interesting because Neham carries with it this sense of comfort, or we can think compassion, that he had made human beings on the earth, and it says it grieved him to his heart. Right, so out of this place of, we could say, deep compassion, from this place of, of, of deep, deep grief, God's heart, right, is, is broken, and there is sadness, and there, there, there is a, a letting go of what, has, of what has been. And in that sense, in a way similar to last week then, Parsha Noah, is, again, is this invitation inviting us to, to consider, to think, to reflect. Where in my life am I experiencing a sadness? To begin there, where in my life am I experiencing a sadness? We could ask it this way, what is it in my life that needs to be grieved? What is it that God is in, inviting me to let go of? Right? And, and then out of, it's out of that space then that we ask, what is God wanting to rebirth in my life? What is God wanting to rebirth in my life? Where is God inviting me to a path of renewal? And then how is God calling me to an experience of recreation? Right, noting again that greater context. Right, that it's in the, it's in the midst of relationship and connection and value, evaluing one another. And out of that space, he's, he's inviting us to, to be reborn, to be renewed, to be, in, a, in, a, in essence, recreated in all sorts of ways. And I think that's our invitation today.
But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God sent a wind, right, Ruah, the spirit, over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed. The rain stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. 